Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. How's everyone doing today? Welcome back to On The Ball. Welcome back to another episode of Review The Prem, where we're going to take a look at each and every game over the weekend. React to our predictions as well. And me and my brother have a scoring system between us at the moment. It's 285 to myself, 279 to Sim. And the way the scoring works is five points for a completely correct scoreline, one point for a correct result. And the star man, once you pick that man, you can't pick them again for the rest of the season. And it's five points for a goal, two points for an assist. And let's get into the first game, which was 2-0 to Man City against Everton at the Etihad. And Sim went for 2-0 to Manchester City. I went for 3-0. So Sim gets a big five-pointer I get one point for this one and look Everton made it really difficult for Man City in this game Man City I don't think had a shot on target until the last 10-15 minutes of the game when the inevitable happened Erling Haaland steps up scores two goals in those last 15 minutes and Man City took home three points yeah pretty much as expected um, I thought Everton uh, made a bit of a slog it was the first time I think under Pep Guardiola that Man City have failed to have a shot on target in the first half which goes to show how difficult Everton were making it wasn't for the lack of dominance because obviously Man City were well on top in the first half but Everton defending resolutely, making sure they weren't giving away any easy chances. But when you've got a goal machine like Erling Haaland um, at your football club, it's always likely that at some point they're going to knock the door down. It was two brutal finishes from Everton's point of view, just absolutely hammering the first one into the back of the net after the corner fell to him, um, battered it uh, past Pickford. And the second one was a classic robotic Erling Haaland shoving off a defender and coolly finishing it into the far corner. And Erling Haaland is back amongst the goals now, 16 Premier League goals now for, for him. And Man City just don't look like they're going to be stopped at the moment. I think ever since the turn of the year, they've won every single game um, and they're really hunting down Liverpool now just a game in hand and um, two points behind so definitely putting themselves right in there when it comes to being favourites for the title absolutely second half Man City like clockwork every single season Um, look they made it Everton made it hard for them but I think it was a bit inevitable that Man City were just going to win the game eventually and that's exactly what happened Um, in terms of Everton they are sitting in the relegation zone now, 19 points, uh, one point behind Luton. And Luton do have a game in hand, but I think that game in hand is against Man City. So um, it's very tight down at the bottom there. Yeah, and there's also rumours of another further points deduction for Everton, which will definitely have them worried. And they're now no winning six, I believe, for Everton. So considering they're on a good run of form, um, going into 2024, that downturn will worry them a bit. I'm still thinking, you know, they're, they're playing well enough and they're good enough to, you know, get uh, over the line, but they need to start winning games again. Yeah, I'm just trying to have a look at their next few fixtures. They've got a big game, West Ham at home, Man United away and Liverpool at home. Their next doesn't get games. much easier. Yeah, it's difficult games coming up. But um, let's go on to Fulham against Bournemouth. It finished 3-1 to Fulham at Craven Cottage. A bit of a surprise result, seeing as what Bournemouth have done so far this season. But both 
teams came into it not in great form. You went for 2-1 to Bournemouth. I went for 1-1. And um, it's kind of how you expect a Fulham win to come against Bournemouth. You know, Bournemouth having a lot of possession, um, asking a, a lot of questions, but Fulham catching them out on the break and scoring goals. And that's exactly how it panned out. I think Bournemouth on the day, going away to Craven Cottage, had 25 shots on goal, but it wasn't enough to break um, Fulham's rear guard, only really scoring from a corner, uh, Senesi getting a consolation. But Fulham on the counter-attack, making the most of their opportunities, and especially at home when you've got the crowd behind them and um, you're facing a, a Bournemouth side who like to go forward, who like to take the game to you. I thought that would suit Bournemouth, but they didn't like it at all. Um, Fulham were quite resolute. They made sure that the chances they were continuing weren't good quality chances and Muniz was able to stick away um, two poachers efforts really one um, getting in front of the goalkeeper after a good pullback and the other one for a great cross to the back post from William sealing the game uh, the first opening goal was a bad mistake from Bournemouth so Bournemouth's defence really costing them with some costly mistakes in this one and Fulham take a really really good win for them I still think the trajectory, trajectory of both clubs is different I think Bournemouth are the better side but Fulham came away with it and um, you can't give Fulham a two goal head start and that's what happened Is there a bit of a cause for concern for Bournemouth form I mean they haven't won since the turn of the year their last win in the Premier League coming against Fulham in the last stages of of uh, December mm. is that a bit of a cause for concern I mean, I don't think so because uh, where Bournemouth expect to be, you know, mid-table is a good position. So I do think right now they're eight points clear of the drop zone. That's all they'll care about. They're only five. They're only two points above, um, below Fulham and five points away from uh, Wolves in 11th. So they're closer to the mid-table than they are the bottom. And as long as it stays that way, they won't be worried. Mm. Let's go on to Anfield where Liverpool played Burnley. It finished 3-1 to Liverpool. Both of us went for 4-1 to Liverpool and... Um, I think, look, Liverpool obviously heavily dominant throughout the game, but Burnley did have their moments, you know. Um, actually, it could have uh, become a bit scary for Liverpool at times, but the quality did shine through. Darwin Nunes getting on the score sheet once again and uh, Liverpool's firepower telling once again. Yeah, Burnley would be a bit annoyed because they probably created more than they thought they would create going going into this game. Um, they did get it back to 1-1 on the stroke of half time, and although maybe not deserved, they did get get there after Jota gave them the lead. It looked like it was going to be a thumping. And in that second half, Fafana had a couple of really presentable opportunities to put Liverpool uh, to put Burnley 2-1 up, and maybe it would have been a different game if they would have taken one of those they didn't and unfortunately for um, Burnley the pressure um, did tell for Liverpool uh, Harvey Elliott coming off the bench and grabbing two assists and making a really good cameo um, obviously Luis Diaz and Darwin Nunes getting on the score sheet as well and it ended up being a comfortable victory for Liverpool but on the face that looks on the face of it was comfortable but Burnley will probably leave Anfield thinking they probably wouldn't have get better chances to have got a point considering the chances they missed so really disappointing but it keeps them really cut adrift at the bottom and they really need to start picking up points obviously they're not going to be going into Liverpool this, these aren't the games are going to be judged on but they're still 13 points um, after 24 games and they're 7 points away from Luton still so time running out for uh, Burnley when it comes to Liverpool keeps them top of the table for now they'll probably be happy with the win it wasn't the best performance but um at these kind of games you just got to get the job done yeah and that's exactly what they did um all three of their front three scoring on the day darwin nunez diego jota and luis diaz and look we are in for a, an almighty title race aren't we and now salah's back it looks like full training so they've been able to cope without him apart from the arsenal game i think they've won every other game so yeah. and scored lots of goals so they showed they can cope without salah but now he's in that's just gonna add even more firepower to the front in terms of the relegation battle do you think Burnley are gone or do you think they can salvage something 
yeah, I think I think they're gone. I don't see them catching. I don't see them um, catching up seven points on the teams above them. I just think they're going to have to put a run together of three, four wins, and I just haven't seen any evidence that they're able to do that. Um, I do see them playing some decent football, but they're just too easy to carve open mm-hmm. at times, and I think that's going to be their undoing. So, I think at this point, look. Seven points, and we've seen teams claw back before, but it's very rare. Um, I think Burnley are not are not a bad team, but I just can't see them getting seven more points in Everton and Luton and Forest. I just I think it's unlikely. So I think it's really you're getting into like under five percent chance at this point of staying yeah, up. I agree. Well, there's a chance, as Andrew yeah, would say. There's always a chance. Um, let's go on to Kenilworth Road as Luton lost three one to Sheffield United. Both of us going for Luton wins. I went two 0 You went two one, and Sheffield United. United just had to win this game um, if they had any chance of staying up in this division. I still think put them in the, like a very, very slim chance. I think they're gone pretty much. But in terms of going to one of their rivals and taking all three points, they got the job done. And Luton will be very, very disappointed with this result. I mean, especially in the second half, Luton absolutely destroyed Sheffield United. They just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, but I was very surprised with how open uh, Luton were. Like Cameron Archer was finding all sorts of opportunities in that first half. And it was was only a matter of time before he was going to put one in the back of the net. And they ended up um, taking the lead. And um, I think Luton um, weren't as solid as they usually are at home. Usually they, they base themselves over being very, very difficult to break through, very hard to play against. But Sheffield not maybe... Luton felt like Sheffield United at home they're going to open up a bit play a bit more attacking football a bit and of complacency maybe. yeah maybe and they felt like it would, it would be an easier win Sheffield United took full advantage of that I always felt like they were going to give them a bit of a difficult game given how Sheffield United like to play and especially in that little tight pitch but I did think Luton would come up with the result in the end but they unfortunately fell to a really bad defeat and I hope for them it doesn't halt their momentum because they've been going really well before this defeat and looking like um, they had a real chance of staying up. But losing at home to the bottom side is always going to take a bit of a hit. So we'll see We'll see how they recover. Um, I still think, will they have enough to hold off Everton in the bottom? I do see, still, still think it's unlikely, but they definitely have a really good shot at it. But this defeat will definitely be a big blow. In terms of Sheffield United, they did win. Kind of keeps uh, them hanging in by a thread. They're now level of points with Burnley, so they can overtake Burnley and start ca- um, catching up points on Everton and Luton. That'll be the next step. But I still, I still, again, they're going to need to put a run together, and whether they'll do that, I find it very unlikely. Yeah, I feel like those two teams are down. To be honest, and there's one spot left up for grabs, but you never know. There's still quite a lot of football left to be played. 14, 15 games, so there is a chance that. You know, Sheffield United can put that run together, but I just find it so hard to see it, to be honest. Let's go on to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Spurs beat Brighton by two goals to one. Sim went for 5-2. I went for 3-1 to Tottenham. um, And Spurs got that last-minute winner in a game that just swung in, had loads of momentum switches, didn't it? Like, at the beginning of the first half, Brighton looked the much better side than Spurs came back into it in in the latter stages of that first half. Spurs then started that second half as much a stronger team. And then Brighton came back into it right at the end and had a couple of chances where they could have snatched that winner but it was Spurs against a runner play who took that winner at the last gasp of the game yeah and it was as you say it was a really up and down game to and throwing a really good game of football and it wasn't quite the goal fest I expected I maybe expected Brighton um, to be a bit more open than they were and it had it took Tottenham a, a lot of time to get into the game um, after Brighton did take the lead with an early penalty uh, through uh, Pascal Gross but Tottenham did regain control and obviously 
equalised at the beginning of the second half. And then after they equalised, they brought, they brought Son on, they brought um, Pasuma and Johnson on, and they looked like they were just going to go on and win the game at that point. But Brighton had other ideas, and they made some changes. They they switched things up, and they regained control of that game. And it seemed at that point, Brighton were putting pressure on Spurs, and maybe they were going to go on to win the game. But as you say, the man, Mr. Clutch, uh, performed a brilliant assist right at the end of the game to get Brendan Johnson's winner. And Spurs did take all three points, and now back into the top four for Tottenham. So really brilliant win for them um, really built help uh, Spurs build some momentum going to the last 14 games of the season to, to take that uh, fourth place and get into the Champions League which would be a brilliant achievement in Postecoglou's um, first season in charge so as much as it wasn't the best performance in the world it's a really really important win considering you know they're getting all these players back for Brighton uh, not a great uh, result obviously still only one point off um, seventh place Newcastle which is obviously the final Conference League spot so if they can get Conference League football next season for next season that would be a positive if they get two consecutive seasons in Europe which is probably the first time that's ever happened for Brighton um, well, you last know, year was the first time ever in Europe so, so there you go <laughs> so I mean I don't think I can complain too much obviously it's a bit of a disappointment considering last season they got into the Europa League and they're still in the Europa League and I wouldn't completely rule them out of doing something special in that tournament so I, th- I still think they're having a good season but down in ninth I think the chances of being back in the Europa League for next season are diminishing a bit yeah I, I agree with that but you know I think I think the Conference League spot will go to Newcastle as well, seeing as Newcastle do only have one game a week. I mean, they're still in the Cup, aren't they? The FA Cup or are they out? FA Cup, yeah. So they're still in the FA Cup, but I think, you know, with them being out of Europe, I think that will stand them in good stead for this race for the Conference League and maybe even push for the Europa League, Newcastle, from now to the end of the season. But I feel like it might be a step too far with Brighton still being in the Europa League. Mm. Next up, we go to Molyneux as Wolves lost by two goals to nil at the hands of Brentford. Sim went for 1-1. I went for 2-1 to Wolves. Again, completely wrong in this game. It's the Premier League. You just can't predict it. And um, look, it was a game where Wolves had all the possession. They had a number of chances throughout the game, but Brentford just kept kept catching them on the break and um, got the all-important goals. Ivan Toney back on the score sheet. Norgard scored as well. And you got to give credit for Brentford. They uh, stuck in their shape. They sprung on Wolves and uh, they got a good victory. Yeah, and I think it's uh, the game swung at a certain point because it was 1-0 to Brentford after they scored an early goal. And then Wolves were piling on the pressure, looking to get equalised. And it seemed as though they did get it. Craig Dawson heads home from a corner. And it seemed as though that pressure told him maybe if that goal would have counted, they would have gone on to win the game. Unfortunately, VAR rules it out. And Brentford very quickly after that moment went on and scored a second. And uh, Wolves, again, this is what I say about them. They're a very good team, but they're very good at um, playing counter-attacking football. They don't like teams also trying to sit back against them and ask them to break them down. When they ask to do that, they do tend to struggle more often than not. And that's what Brentford did. I think it was a really good away performance from Brentford. Played the game to perfection. Played with that three-of-the-back system. Matched up um, Wolves in, in that formation. Made it very, very difficult for them to break them down. Just made sure that they made Pedro Neto and Cunha very, very quiet. Didn't give them the space that they usually get against other sides who try to attack them and then when you've got Ivan Tony in the forward line um, you've always got a chance of making something happen and that's exactly what they did so really great away performance and since Tony's been back Brentford definitely looked like a bit of a new team this yeah season. absolutely I mean look he's just got star quality hasn't he I think he's much above the level of the team that he's playing for in my opinion he should be playing for a top four side in the Champions League that's the quality of the player and that's uh, you know massive advantage to Brentford in, in that area of the league and I think they won a run of five defeats in a row before he came in they've now won 
two games out of uh, four since he's come in and any kind of fears that they might get dragged into a relegation battle probably eased by now yeah absolutely let's go to the city ground as nottingham forest lost by three goals to two at the hands of newcastle so went for two two very close to that one to be fair i went for two one to newcastle so i get a point on the board for this one uh, a very topsy-turvy game this game was two two by half time fabian shah getting on the score sheet once again for newcastle and it's a weird one because newcastle scored three goals with like an xg of 0.48 or something crazy like that and um you know nottingham forest actually played really well in this game creating chances but it's not newcastle that take over the three points yeah it's very disappointing for forest because they were doing such a good job of um catching newcastle in transition playing the ball very quickly to morgan to morgan gibbs white who'd play the ball to awioni or anti elanga and cause problems for newcastle because newcastle came with a game plan to dominate the ball um try and break uh forest down and forest knew that and and they played a really good transitional game and they caught Newcastle out twice in that first half. Obviously, you got a bit of luck with the Hudson-Odoi deflection, but the first one for Alanga, really nice move, good through ball as well. And Newcastle was really struggling to deal with it. But again, this game hinged on a very crucial moment. Um, at 2-2 in the second half, um, the goalkeeper, um, the new goalkeeper, I can't remember his name for Forest, who was making his debut, uh, sells. He plays a long ball through to Awioni. He goes through one-on-one -on -one with the goalkeeper. He stumbles a bit, takes the ball past the goalkeeper. I think he's fouled. I think it should have been a penalty to Nottingham Forest. You can see the goalkeeper lifts his arm up against Awioni, trips him up, and VAR for some reason doesn't get involved. It feels like it wasn't a clear and obvious decision. I probably feel like it's right for VAR not to get involved, but I think it was a mistake for the referee not to give a penalty. I think that should have been a penalty to Forest. And if they go free to up at that point, it might obviously it would have been very difficult for Newcastle to come back but didn't give the penalty Newcastle got up the other end literally within a couple of minutes and uh, Bruno Gimoresh scores the winner after he scored by the way a brilliant uh, set piece routine in the first half uh, which is something I've done before um, a, a little pass to Trippier cross to the back post and a great volley he's done that previously for Newcastle so something to look out for maybe in future matches for Newcastle but Bruno Gimoresh showing his star quality and it was very interesting after the game he was kissing the badge looking to ward off any rumours of him leaving uh, in the near future even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. How happy he is. And he's a big, big player for Newcastle. And there is rumors with FFP they might have to sell. But if they were to lose him, that would be a massive blow because he's obviously their most important player, probably. Yeah, and he showed kind of qualities in this game, which he hasn't shown all season or he's shown in Newcastle shirt. You know, he's not been associated since joining Newcastle with uh, goals or assists, but, you know, brilliant goals on the weekend, that's for sure. And if he can kind of add that to his game, 
what a player they have there. Yeah. And, and I think he's a great player anyway. It's weird about Newcastle. They just seem to have lost this like defensive solidity mm. they had last season. They were such a good defensive side, but they seem to be very, very leaky this season. Um, they did get the win, but it wasn't the most impressive display yet again. So whether that win papers over the cracks, we'll see going forward. But in terms of Forest. It would have been so good to at least got something out of this game because uh, if they would have got a draw, it would have taken them a bit further away from Luton-Everton. Unfortunately, that loss still keeps them right in the thick of it. Only two points above Everton in the relegation zone. So, um, look, with Albioni back and the way they're playing, they're, they're playing okay under Nuno, even though they're not maybe getting the results over the last few games. I still see some positive things, but they haven't won, I don't think, since that United game. I think that was, was that his first game, yeah, or second game. So, four games out of win now, so... A bit worrying, but with Awioni, Morgan Gibbs-White, Alanga, there is quality in that front line. Alanga, 11 goal contributions this season. Uh, mm. When you're looking, he's a player that Man United just got rid of. Like He's looking a lot better than someone like Anthony at the moment, isn't he? 100%. I mean, if if uh, Anthony was having 11 goal contributions this season, he will probably be getting a lot of praise. So Alanga showing maybe what Man United are missing and he's having uh, a bit of a rebirth now at Forest, getting that confidence back, being one of the main players. And he's, look, he's looking really, really confident and really good. So fair play to him. In terms of like the relegation race, maybe we'll get into that after the Palace game, but I do think Forrest are bang in trouble at the moment. Mm. I really do. Uh, but let's go on to West Ham against Arsenal. A drubbing at the London Stadium. 6-0 to Arsenal in what was Arsenal's record away Premier League victory. Sim went for 2-1 to Arsenal. I went for 1-1 in an embarrassing prediction by me, to be fair. But look, the game was 4-0 at halftime. Three set pieces for Arsenal uh, going into the game. Completely, completely lucky victory for Arsenal. <laughs> Arsenal were absolutely heavily dominant. They absolutely smashed New, uh, West Ham throughout the 90 minutes from start to finish. And you know what? This was a, an embarrassing performance by West Ham. The, the, some of the defending on show from West Ham was nothing short of embarrassing. And um, they need to hold their heads in shame, uh, to be honest, some of those defenders uh, of West Ham. Yeah, it's a weird one for Arsenal because I think they just they score so many goals from set pieces. I, th I believe I read a stat, I don't know if it's true, but 72% of their goals this season have come from set pieces, like penalties or corners or free kicks, which is an incredible amount when you They're think about it. They're just a glorified it. Bolton. Exactly. Uh, but as you say, they um, um, really look like they're stepping up again now, uh, Arsenal, over the last few weeks. It was very important for them after beating Liverpool at home that they needed to like follow that up with a convincing victory at West Ham. And uh, it was probably more than that. And in terms of belief that they're back in the tie race, it must be fully there now. Because when you beat Liverpool and then you follow up by battering a difficult West Ham team where you expect a hard game um, and you're falling it up at half-time, that's going to definitely instill belief in the Arsenal camp that they're banging this title race now um, after such a convincing victory. It was a bit weird game though because for about half an hour 35 minutes it was I think Arsenal had the lead but it was like yeah Arsenal were dominating but it wasn't like um, a peppering but then for some reason West Ham just completely collapsed in those last 10 minutes of, of uh, the first half conceded three very quick goals uh, two set pieces and Trossard made it a fourth as well I think after Saka won a penalty so um after that collapse, obviously the game was over by half time, and it was always going to be about damage limitation in the second half. They couldn't even do that, um, do that well. And obviously Declan Rice scoring an absolute worldy against his old club from Two thirty yards. Well. Uh, yeah, unbelievable performance from him. And going back to West Ham, I'm sure he would have absolutely loved um, that performance. Um, but it comes from West Ham. The reason why I know that, like, if you look at their position, you might say, look. There's few. There can't be that many complaints about Moyes and stuff like that. But it's just when you've got such good players like they do. I look at their squad and they do have a good squad. I don't care what anyone says. Like Bowen and Kudus, there's some good players there. Ward Prowse, I think they uh, got a Calvin Phillips. 
I think it's comparable. Yeah. I think it's comparable to Aston Villa for sure. And and the way David Moyes plays, if you're going to be leaky at the back like they were yesterday, there's literally nothing else to fall back on and you're and you're going to get completely outplayed. And that's exactly what happened. They should be doing a lot more of those players. They should be getting a lot more out of Bowen and Kudus, getting them a lot more involved and um, taking, not like not obviously going gung-ho, but being a lot more in the game against a team like Arsenal. And that performance was an absolute disgrace and the knives were out for David Moyes um, obviously, obviously after this game. I do think he'll last the season. I don't think he's going to get sacked this season, but the talks of a new contract, I think are ridiculous. I think you should definitely, look, he won the trophy last season. I think he's taken West Ham as far as he can go. I think it's time to part ways at the end of the season. Let him see out the season. Let's see what he can do in the Europa League. Um, but I think once the season's out, you need to, West Ham need to be upgrading because just think about what a new manager with fresh ideas, someone who's going to be more attacking, someone who's going to be more on the front foot, can do with the squad that they have. I think you can do a lot more Graham than Moyes is doing. Graham Potter's perfect for them. Mm. I don't understand why they why they didn't go for him at the end of last season. Moyes, go out with your head held high after winning a trophy and um, use the squad to the fullest advantage and bring in Graham. I know, did he start the season at Chelsea, Graham Potter? No, he didn't. So no. why, why wouldn't they not go for Graham Potter in the summer? Because I think it's a perfect fit. Because they stuck with Moyes because he won he won the trophy and they decided to respect that and keep and keep his job. He wanted to stay. I think it was a mistake. I think the way they play uh, isn't going to progress them. It's only going to get them so far. And I think they've reached their ceiling. I don't see them getting any better than they are There's right only now. One way now for West Ham, and that is down. Yeah, and uh, so David Moyes. And so look, West Ham, like what you consider them to be as a defensively solid team, especially from set pieces, that performance was nowhere. I know it's against a good Arsenal side, but it was nowhere near up to standard. And everyone involved in that West Ham performance should be ashamed. I think it's six wins, six games out of win in all competitions now for West Ham. So they are definitely starting to slide. It was only not long ago they beat Arsenal away and they were knocking on the door of top four. But obviously that collapsed now. I think it's definitely top four is goodbye. Um, in terms of top six, five points in it. So not completely out of it, but the form they're on, no I, don't, I just don't see them uh, catching them. No chance. I think they're going to keep slipping down the table now until something changes because Moyes is just not the right manager for them. And after that, that's going to be such a damaging defeat to them. You can't lose 6-0 at home, no matter who it's against. Mm. Um, but let's go to Villa Park as Manchester United won by two goals to one against Aston Villa. Both of us went for 2-2. Two, two. Um, look, this game was a robbery by Manchester United, a complete robbery. Aston Villa were the better side throughout. Man United scored against the runner, played twice in this game. And I just don't know how Villa didn't score more than one goal. I wouldn't say the first goal was against the runner play. I actually thought they were probably the better team in the early exchanges at um, Man United. They were causing Villa a lot of problems from corners. Harry Maguire was getting on the end of quite a few of them and it looked, looked, well, looked it like a matter of time. Pieces, yeah, really. it was, but they were still in the game, you know, and they were still, I wouldn't say massively the better side, but it wasn't a massive surprise when they did take the lead and it was a very transitional game in that first half. Both teams were kind of hitting each other in the transition. It was about who was going to get the early goal and obviously Hoyland, for five goals in uh, consecutive games now, in five consecutive games. So he's really hit a hot streak uh, for him. And it was obviously a good opening period for Villa, but for United. But once Villa took control, it was literally all Aston Villa up until... Um, pretty much the end of the game even until United scored it looked like it was a matter of time before Villa equalised Onana was making save after save at some points Watkins missed a few uh, really really good chances and Villa will be kicking themselves after they equalised they just let this game slip because um, they were wet on top Man United were really struggling to get into the game and come back from it but when you don't kill off teams and you don't put away your chances that's always likely to happen when you face a team for whatever you want to say about Man United they've got quality in there and Scott McTominay yet again coming off the bench scoring a late goal I think he's making a real habit of that this season I read a stat he's 
earned United 12 points with his goals this season, which is an astonishing amount um, for one player, especially a player like McTominay, um, to be earning. It shows how important he's been for he's Man United this season. He's at the top of the goal-scoring charts for Scotland uh, in the Nations League or, yeah. or the qualifiers as well. I mean, this guy is uh, coming in clutch for Man United and Scotland. It's incredible. Seven Premier League goals this season. And maybe it's just a case of he's been misprofiled uh, for a lot of the season. A lot of people are now saying, is he the new Marouane Fellaini kind of player for Man United? That's exactly what he yeah, is. That's a, I think a lot of people before thought he was like an eight box box or a six kind of in a sitting midfielder but now maybe he's going to be rebranded as a more kind of Fellaini big strong number 10 who you can lump the ball to and get on make late runs in the box and get on the end of things and he's really providing um, an effective way of winning games for Man United so a really big win for them but again it is a good win and on the face of it that is three Premier League wins in a row for them so you could say they're now um, building some momentum. But still, those away performances against Wolves and Villa, as much as they did get wins, I'm just still not convinced by them. I'm still not convinced by the I thought it was a fairly control. good performance against Wolves, though. It was the latter stages of the game. The last 10 minutes, I thought Wolves were by far the better team. But I think for 80 minutes in that game, they played fairly well. Yeah, but it's a pattern. I, I saw them do that against Copenhagen. They were 3-1 up and ended up losing 4-3 after playing really well. So it's a pattern for Man United where they, they are very brittle. When they're looking good and confident, they can, they can play well and, and, and um, get in the lead. But as soon as things start to turn against them, it's really hard for them to stem that tide. And more often than not, they do succumb to the pressure. Mm. So whether or not that will keep, uh, they can they can change that and get some consistency, we'll have to wait and see. But that is three wins in a row and Hoyland is bang, bang in form. So you've got to say, um, maybe there are signs of things turning for United, although I'm still not convinced. Next two games for United is Luton away and Fulham at home. I mean, if they can take six points in those next two games, which they probably expect themselves to do so, I think they put themselves in a good in the top four conversation massively. Yeah, probably. So, and I and I do think Man United do finish above Aston Villa this season. Their last two games of the season are Arsenal and Brighton away. So. You know, they need to make sure that they're in a really good position come those last two games. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but let's move on to the last game of the weekend, which was Monday night football at Selhurst Park, a very much depleted Crystal Palace against Chelsea. It was 3-1 to Chelsea on the night. Sim went for 3-0. I went for 2-0. I mean, this was one of the most drab first halves I've ever seen. Um, Chelsea were... Pretty embarrassing, to be honest, in that first half. Jefferson Lerma scores an absolute screamer to put Crystal Palace 1-0 up. And I don't know what it was against uh, for Chelsea in that first half. They just didn't want to do anything. It was really strange. Um, but, you know, things did change in that second half, didn't they? They got the goal fairly quickly. And then they had to wait for the stoppage time to get the winners and, and get a third goal as well. But... Conor Gallagher um, scoring two goals on the night. Enzo Fernandez back on the score sheet as well. These two players really uh, coming up for Chelsea now, aren't they? Yeah. Um, obviously, Conor Gallagher scored his first goal of the season in midweek in the Cup. And he followed that with two goals uh, fairly similar in terms of making a late run uh, into the into the box and getting good finish. And he's always been capable of that for some reason or, or for one reason or another this season. It hasn't quite gone in for him. But he's always got that capability of um, making a difference and being effective in that, in that penalty area which he did show quite ironically for Palace which is probably what um, when he showed his best kind of goal scoring form and for some reason when he's gone back to Chelsea it hasn't quite happened but he showed signs of that uh, changing and obviously a very similar goal in midweek as well late one in the box so will we see Conor Gallagher be getting more goals now from now to the end of the season I wouldn't be surprised it was a big win for Chelsea because 
they wanted to build momentum off the back of that big win against Villa, which everyone is saying could be a turning point for them. And if they would have followed that with a one-nil defeat to Palace or a draw, even um, to that Palace, side yeah, to as that well. Palace side, which no Elise, no Eze, um, a, a couple of players making their debuts as well. The knives would have been Walton, back out for yeah. Poch. Um, uh, so the fact they got that late win um, was was very very important to keep momentum going. And look. Maybe they'll start uh, picking up some regular points now. Um, I was a very good win at the end of the day. They they made that pressure tell in the second half. And yeah, they were terrible in the first half. They still had a lot of possession, just weren't able to uh, even get near the Palace goal. But that did change in the second half. They stepped up and obviously Cole Palmer late in the game, getting another two assists. Now that's now 20 goal contributions for him. So what an outstanding season Cole Palmer is having. Yeah, no, absolutely. He's been a star this season. Um, you know, a lot of those goals have been penalties. I think he scored like six or seven penalties or something this season maybe it's not that many but a lot at of least them, five yeah a lot of them have been penalties for Cole Palmer this season but I don't think that takes away like he is instrumental to that Chelsea side he's the one that's more or less uh, putting them through in the games where they where they, he needs uh, they need him to but Chelsea have a clear problem with breaking down these low blocks. They just can't seem to do it on a consistent basis. They got they did well in the second half to finally do it and get the win at the latter stages of the game. But another day, maybe those chances don't come. But maybe there is a turning point here with Chelsea and Pochettino. But still, like you're looking at them, where are they? Tenth in the league, 34 points. Only two points behind seventh in Newcastle. So maybe they do make a late push for the Conference League or something like that. Yeah, I still think it's a bad season if they finish seventh, but it's a lot better than, you know, being in mid-table, not getting Europe at all. So at least if they can uh, do that, take some sort of momentum into next season with European football. But um, yeah, I do think... Def, top four's definitely gone for them. We know that. They're 13 points away. I can't see them getting anywhere near that. Top, maybe Europa League could be a shout. They're, Even that's they're, a bit of a stretch, I They're think. seven points away from Man United. It's, I mean, it's going to be a tall order even for that, I agree. So I think Conference League probably has to be their aim now for now to I mean, the surely they play Man United from now until the end of the season. Maybe if they beat Man United, there's a chance, but... I can't see it, to be honest. And Crystal Palace are bang in trouble. Like five points above the drop at this stage of the season. Elise out, Eze out, um, Gwehi out. All these big players for them all um, not playing at the moment. You just don't see where a win's coming from for Crystal Palace. 100%. I look at the teams below them and as long as Eze and Elise are out, I see them picking up more points in Palace and the the, the fans are, t- are turning a bit toxic as well. I can see Hodgson, he's getting very frustrated with some of the fan reaction um, to him and and um, his tactics and stuff like that. He was saying after the game, I hope fair-minded fans are, re- are realistic and understand the situation. He's like, well, so you're basically saying anyone who's complaining is not a fair-minded fan. Like, you know what I mean? He's, he's kind of not doing himself any favours. Sorry, Roy Hodgson. He's not. He's not really um, saying the right things, and it's turning more and more people against them. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't last a season at this rate because I do see them. I wouldn't be surprised as long as Eze and Olise and Guehi are all out, they start to drop like a stone. Yeah, I want to see who their next few games are because, like, I don't understand how they get points with like they got Everton away next. That was a massive that. game. If if Everton beat them, then you know that closes the gap even more to the to the drop and. After that, they got Burnley at home. Did they even beat Burnley with the way uh, Burnley can attack? I think touch Burnley can take something out of that game. It's touch and go. They've got massive, massive games over the next three games. And then they go to to ask Tottenham away and then Luton at home after that. So they've got three incredibly <laughs> big games in their next four games. Yeah, and if they can't pick up points in those games, um, they're, they're banging trouble. Absolutely. So I think it's worrying times for Palace at the moment, just the way things are going for them. Yeah. Um, do you think do you think they will get relegated? 
No, because I do think at one at some point at least Enese will come back and they'll just have. They look. They just need maybe two or th- uh, three or four wins uh, out, out of these last fourteen games will be enough. And if he can come back and get those wins, um, that should be enough. So I think they might just scrape it, but I think it's going to be tight. They're probably praying for these points deductions for Nottingham mm. Forest and Everton, you know, because that will be a, a gift from God for them. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because if that happens, then they probably are safe. Yeah. Um, but star men, Sim went for Turbo Timo, did nothing on the day. I went for Elijah Adebayo again, who uh, did nothing on the day. Did win a penalty, but didn't get a goal or an assist. Oh, it was so. never a penalty. Both those penalties were shocking decisions, I thought. The ref pointed shocking. to the spot, and it was a penalty. Never a penalty. But uh, yeah, zero points on the day, which leaves us very, very close going into the last 14 games of the season. Sim's got 288 points. I've got 290 points. Let me know in the comments section below your thoughts of the weekend's fixtures, and we'll see you next time.